Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. My God, do we have a special episode today. Uh, an episode with immense plot and immense uh, spiritual, internal reflection and meditation. Uh, and and, and it, it's the guru. Uh, excellent episode, don't, don't we? I mean, uh, opening thoughts. It's, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful episode. Um, this is part one of a two-part finale here. Yeah. Um, but this is obviously a little bit different. We were talking ahead of time. You know, it's it's interesting that that it doesn't seem like this season is really headed towards a big climax. Right. right the right. way the way season one did. Like I checked the the I was telling you, I checked. It's like oh, there's only one episode left. It just feels like there's more, mm-hmm. and uh, of course there is, just not this season. Yeah. And that's you know everyone always talks about how this is very much the Empire Strikes Back of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the three season series. Yes. Um, and it very much is. Quick Star Wars note. Um, yeah. I saw the Star Wars Lego holiday special this weekend. Mm. Um, did, have you seen it? We started it. Okay, I, I loved it. Um, yeah? I finished it. it very, very cool. Very nice. Shout very out nice, to yeah. Star Wars. We, we love Star Wars, we love Legos, but most of all, we're here because we love Avatar. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into it. The Guru. Uh, in this one, after the group receives letters that were confiscated by the Dai Li and splits up temporarily, Aang meets Guru Pathak, who trains him in mastery of the Avatar state through the unlocking of chakras. Sokka reunites with his father for the first time in years, and Toph finds herself captured by Shinfu and Master Yu, who are transporting her to her parents' estate, though she escapes by inventing metal bending. Azula forms a scheme with Longfang to overthrow the Earth King and Katara is captured. Aang sees a vision of an endangered Katara and abandons the training early to save her against the wishes of the guru who tells uh, him that by leaving early, he now won't be able to access the Avatar state at all. My God. And... uh, Somewhere sprinkled in there, Zuko and Iroh are successful tea shop owners. Oh, yeah. Being, living their best life. Uh, but let's get into this. And seeing uh, my guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much happened that, like, merits the discussion. And, and, and by far, the most important thing is each step of the Avatar state. And we're going to. This get is into a very. That. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a very loaded episode. Um, it's definitely one of the more, like, bouncing around episodes we've had on this show where almost every scene is going from storyline to storyline. And there's a lot going on, like kind of intercut yeah. throughout. And, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, and even as something as simple as the description for the episode, you know, you'll notice a lot of times, usually each paragraph or whatever that you read is really just like one group doing their thing and then it kind of moves around. Mm. Here, you kind of have to have both a little bit because it's so quick. Mm. And you have these short scenes and long scenes with everyone and it's just very much, they're, they're juggling a lot of story here. Yeah. It's great. I, um, I play a game during the uh, previously on Avatar where mm-hmm. 
it's called butt four. And uh, it, when, when I'm, I'm, I'm watching this uh, previously and I'm like, oh, well, this thing had to have happened or else the whole story doesn't work. And, and but for Appa being lost and escaping and ending up at his Eastern Air Temple, uh, we would have no knowledge of this guru or uh, Aang would, his whole journey would not be uh, the same. And uh, it, this is huge. Uh, so... Uh, it's not the only but for, think, by the way. Like, like, There's another significant yeah. but for regarding Appa's missing time, and that is the Kyoshi Warriors finding him. Right. Yeah. Somebody else. So, uh, but you're absolutely right. That, 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 that's what makes a good opening. Uh, yeah. But enough about the opening, the episode, this, this mammoth marathon episode that we're about mm-hmm. to engage in. Uh, it opens at Iroh and Zuko's apartment in Bossing Say, where Iroh is preparing a cauldron of juke. Zuko enters the room and comments on the smell of the pasty white soup. Ira warns his nephew that he probably would not like it, but Zuko surprises him, smelling a ladleful and saying he would love to have some. Ira indicates Zuko's emotional change since he recovered from the fever he had suffered. Zuko simply smiles and announces optimistically that it's a new day. Iroh's new tea shop is opening. They have a wonderful new apartment and things in general are looking up. Uh, who are you and what have you done with Zuko? <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers, right? Absolutely. This that is, was uh, a total 180. Yeah. So I see, I mean, I feel like the entire oh. audience and has been pulling for this moment. You know, it's, it's Zuko, <laughs> like you can be your own person and that can be a good person. Um, it's exciting to see. It's just the first scene of the show, but it's just, I love that we're jumping in at this really positive time uh, while everybody else is split up. I feel like, yeah, this this could have been its own like mini episode uh, or half episode, but uh, here we are, things are happening and there's no time to wait. So let's, let's keep it going. Meanwhile, Aang and Sokka land at the mouth of Chameleon Bay, the alleged location of Sokka's father, Hakoda, and the rest of the Southern Water Tribe warriors. Sokka grows very nervous, asks Aang how he feels about meeting with Guru Patek to master the Avatar state. Aang smiles and replies that he, unlike Sokka, is not nervous in the least. He takes off on Appa, shouting back to Sokka that they will reunite in a week. Sokka walks into the base and is greeted with warm and welcome arms by the warriors of the Southern Water Tribe. After a brief exchange of greetings, the warriors guide him to a large tent. Sokka enters the tent, where several more warriors, including Bato and his father, are studying a map. Hakoda looks up, rising and embracing Sokka halfway. Hakoda, wee wee wee, this long lost uh, father. Uh, yeah. And, gosh, and uh, Sokka, yeah. It's just a wonderful moment. I mean, backing up a little bit. Um, I kind of overlooked that he said they'll he'll see him in a week. Like, was he really? I, I guess I don't really have a sense of how much time passes in this episode, but it really doesn't feel like what he's doing with uh, the Guru Gothic should take an entire week, a, especially since they're it's a weekend. Like that's a long time <laughs> to be gone yeah. when everything else is going on. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know though, yeah. but uh, it's it's you know obviously Sokka's really scared. Um, he's so nervous. He's like nauseous. Um, yeah. And it's exciting. You know, he's just, he hasn't seen his dad in a while. And I'm sure, you know, after you haven't seen somebody that you love and look up to in a long time, you start to remember 
you know, obviously you remember them very fondly, but you also start to, I think, like idealize and build them up in your head. And I wonder if part of it was maybe his dad wouldn't be the person he remembered, or maybe he wouldn't be the person his dad wanted him. You know, there's a lot of kind of doubt and worry. It's just, you know, very natural, normal, you know, anxiety before something happens, just it's, absolutely so much of his character is like based around his uh absence of a father figure and uh his need to be both a father and a son you know it, it, that's like a weird statement to make but he had to kind of substitute for all the men who were able to leave at the time and he was on the cusp and has to be the uh the warrior leader whether he wants to be or not uh yeah, that was crazy. What what a magnificent reunion! Uh, what I mean, it, it meant more to him than planning an attack on the uh, Fire Nation. Of course, right? truly. So uh, so happy that the two of them are back together. Uh, back in Bossing Say, the Earth King entertains Azula May and Tai Lee, disguised as Kyoshi warriors. He tells them uh, he tells them of Long Fang's manipulation of the city, to which Azula expresses false interest. The Earth King goes on to reveal plans for an invasion of the Fire Nation during the Day of Black Sun. Azula grows surprised, but manages to suppress her shock to the point of merely explaining interest in the plan. Um, to okay. This, this, yeah. You there are two moments in this entire series, I believe. Really, well, I guess, I guess a couple more after it happens a second time. But really, two moments where we see Azula kind of slip out of this facade of completely in control of everything and completely, you know, confident in the knowledge of every single thing that's happening and being able to anticipate everything with nothing surprising her. This is one of the first times that she, you know, that time that we see, and it's just her eye, like opening and, and then closing a little bit for a split second. But for a character like Azula, that's huge. Yeah. It happens once again in book three, and I don't want to get into that yet. Mm-hmm. But this is big. I mean... I think this is one of the first times in her life, maybe, that Azula, that, that something's happened that she hasn't anticipated or didn't even plan for. Mm, and the fact that yeah. it's, you know, that she's able to quickly recover because, of course, she's done what she's had to do to get here and is now hearing this plan. Also, yeah. dude, why? I, I get it. They, he Ugh. thinks they're them, but, like, just shush, make conversation somehow else, dude. Sir, this naive Earth King, I mean, for decades, I mean, for his whole reign, he's been... Uh, brainwashed or just naive and stupid. Uh, he was literally telling the Kiyoshi warriors, I'm using air quotes for the podcast listeners, mm-hmm. he's telling them, I can't trust anyone. My Leong Feng, most trusted advisor, I can't trust anyone. Uh, let me reveal the secret of the Black Sun. That's like, the two statements don't follow one after another. You know, I was thinking about that actually, and, and it does occur to me that somebody who says they've, you know, they they don't have, they they can't trust anybody. I mean, he's you just said it. He's lived his whole life, and we presume he's what like thirty four. I I don't know how yeah. old he is, but whatever. Um, under this spell, being completely brainwashed by his most trusted advisor. This isn't like just some person who worked for him that he realized like broke ranks, and and this is everybody in his life has straight up either been lying to him or didn't care about him enough to know any details. You know what I mean? I didn't know him well enough. So for the first time ever, he feels somebody's actually being honest with him because they've proven it 
through facts and evidence. And those same people that he can now trust, at least somewhat, are saying, oh, you can trust these Kyoshi warriors implicitly. Yeah. They are our allies. It's okay. So, of course, he's going to be like, well, they said it's okay. It's just like, I don't know. I, I guess you really can't blame him that much for saying it. It's just like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> it yeah. sucks that he's doing this and this is happening. Like, damn it. How can our team still go through with this once they – that's something that bugs me is mm-hmm. – and we'll talk about this – later but as things progress in this story i mean i don't think it's that much of a spoiler obviously eventually our characters are going to find out that these freaking three are posing as kiyoshi warriors but once they eventually do why would any of these plans continue even if you didn't know that he said this like the the fact that they've had his ear for this long and he's had theirs i mean i i wonder how hard it is to spread word or well we'll we'll get there okay Anyway. Elsewhere, back in this episode, the Council of Five uh, reviews the invasion plan with Katara, who's accompanied by Momo. General Fong's fortress will be the staging point of the attack where they will send in troops, demonstrating the motion by earthbending several stone pieces across a world map. Momo suddenly darts across the board and knocks the pillars over. Katara laughs at the lemur's actions, but the generals aren't amused. General... How asks Katara to deliver a scroll detailing the invasion plans to the Earth King so that it may receive his seal, finalizing the plans. Um, Katara doesn't even care. I mean, I don't want to say she doesn't care, but she is kind of playing with Momo. She's not like... Uh, sure, she's been a waterbending master focusing on her bending and discipline in that area, but... Uh, she still has some Osaka. She's got some advice here. I, I think it's less that she's disinterested and more that she's like, you know, look, she's a really strong, independent woman, but this is still very much a male-dominated world. And sadly, I feel like there is a sense, you know, she had to just deal with it at the Northern Water Tribe, where initially, until she kind of broke through to them, they were like, nah, you're a woman. You have to just go heal people. Oh, yeah. And now she's in this like meeting room. And I feel yeah. like these guys aren't really having much of a sense of humor. She's not the military mind. She's just a soldier, not just a soldier. She's a soldier and, a, and you know, she does other things, but strategy isn't really it. And I wonder if she's, because of her experience in these other nations and in yeah. this world, you know, maybe even subconsciously just a little worried about coming off to, you know, a lot of these really sad and unfortunate due to our societal structure, the way that a lot of women feel about a lot of things, they, they, they sometimes hesitate because they don't want to like upset the balance. And, you know, if they do state their opinion, they'll just be yelled at or spoken down to or, or, you know, attacked by, by the powerful men. And it's, it sucks. Um, And unfortunately that's what they have to live with a lot. And I, I wonder if that's kind of what's happening here at the time. Yeah, and it just uh, also puts into frame how, how much better Sokka would have been here. I, it just feels like uh, this is where he should have been. Uh, more than his dad's love, I wanted to see him feel, uh, I don't know, in command as a leader. I, it's maybe the, other thing, yeah. the other thing, though, that, that we do have to put into perspective, and you just said it before, you know, it's how many months until the solar eclipse? Several? Two. 
um, theoretically, you know, I, or not theoretically, ideally, this is planned for one quick week out of two months to prepare. And I understand that you want a lot of that time to be, you know, the machinations of preparing yourself and not just planning, um, you know, getting everybody moving and traveling and all that stuff. But I feel like, you know, he just assumes it's going to be a week. And, and I, you know, while we were pretty upset at the end of the last episode with everyone's decisions, I feel like maybe a part of him was thinking, you know, I'll talk to my dad about what we're doing and maybe they'll like want to join us and he'll bring them along with, um, and then still get there with time to make these plans. But you're right. I mean, it is, it is a long time to be away when they're first introducing this to the Earth King, especially given his experience the previous season, however many months ago it is, at the Northern Water Tribe, where yeah. they were planning this big attack, and it turned out their intel was just, like, awful. Yeah. <laughs> and and Sokka was able to help them tremendously. Yeah. Or tremendously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just felt like, okay, it, there is more important things to get into, but just this barely beating long thing in the Dai Li, you know, like, the, you cut the head off the snake, that doesn't mean... I don't know if that's none of the that. none of the agents were dealt with. Yeah, like like the the infrastructure, the, it's a very tenuous win. Like I feel like there needs to be yeah. some oversight, some maintenance uh, to get that going. At least at least like have offered to stay and talk to Suki and really go over. Okay, here's what's going on here. And this How is, is Katara not talking to the Kiyoshi warrior? Initially, yeah, it's all yeah. This is a little. I mean, I get what you want to do for Azula's character, but it's just, it, it is a little, it's the only thing that really stands out. Like, uh, yeah, but again, um, this is a kid's show and I feel like it's, it's more tolerable. Like, like come on, they, right. they can't make some, uh, they can't make some mastermind plot and yet they have here. So yeah. uh, let's, let's move forward. Aang arrives at the Eastern Air Temple and finds Guru Pathak meditating atop the same tower Appa left him at. He introduces himself to Aang as a spiritual brother to the Air Nomads and a close friend of Monk Gyatso. Aang asks Patik how he plans on teaching him to gain control of the Avatar state, to which the guru replies, must, it must, he must first bring balance to himself before he can bring balance to the world. He asks Aang to drink a mix of onion and banana juice, which the young Avatar does before spitting it out because of the bad taste. On a road, from Ba Sing Se, Master Yu and Shin Fu drive an ostrich horse carriage with Toph in tow wrapped in a huge metal box. The two argue directions when Toph commands the two to stop arguing and let her out to go to the bathroom. Master Yu prepares to release her before Shin Fu sharply pulls him back from the action, noticing an obvious trick where his companion does not. Toph pounds against the cage, only infuriating Shin Fu more who tells her that no matter how good an earthbender she may be, she cannot bend metal. Back in Ba Sing Se, Azula, May, and Tai Li remove their disguises. Azula states they now have the perfect opportunity to conquer the Earth Kingdom from the inside and succeed where the Fire Nation has failed for a century. She proposes they stage a coup to overthrow the Earth King. Azula establishes that the determining factor in the goal is controlling the Tai Li. Uh, Massive stuff there, yeah. Let's kick right. it back to Aang. Uh, yes. He, he finally gets to the guru, and uh, all right, the guru uh, is begins to unveil 
what you got to do to control the avatar state. So not only is this guru, I mean, I, I, I like how he kind of dodged the wonderment by saying that he was a spiritual brother mm -hmm. to the air nomads. Does that mean that he's not necessarily an airbender or even an air nomad, or he's from another location that we just don't know about or what? Yeah. But we do know that he was a close personal friend of yeah. Monkeyazzo. Yeah. So we also know that he's like, obviously his age would seem to indicate it, but that's immediately a connection with Aang right there. Yeah. I have a theory on his, uh, this is yeah. just a, uh, maybe it's a fan fiction I want to make happen. Um, he's a spirit. An uh, actual, yeah, an actual spirit. And, uh, okay, he is a spiritual brother to the Air Nomads, the more spiritual one among them, the Iros of the Air Nomad world and the monks. The monks have a more Iro-like uh, way of living. That's just my uh, theory. John? I could not, you, you, I mean, you, you can't pin him down to any of the Four Nations. I think uh, you're onto something. That's true. And it's funny because everyone's a little like weirded out talking about it. Um, but it is true. He's the only like, he's the only Indian looking, you know, the only character in the show that whose, whose, whose appearance is clearly that of somebody from India or, or neighboring countries in that yeah. area. Um, and, you know, we've seen members of each of the four nations if you had, you know, yes, it's animated and it's hard to compare. We definitely know they're not white. <laughs> mm. But, uh, um, you know, you might say, theoretically, you know, the North and South Pole would be like Inuits, um, mm -hmm. that type. Uh, the Earth Kingdom, the way that it's, it's positioned in the, in the, in the, um, on the map and the way that a lot of things in the Earth Kingdom are written, and you know they're all a lot of it is in Mandarin. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I you know associate that with China, mm -hmm. the way that the Fire Nation is very much a series of islands, very Pacific, you know, very much Japan mm. um, and conquering, um, and then the Air Nomads are clearly like Tibetan monks, the Buddhists, the, the, so the yes, maybe uh, it is pretty clear what the ethnicities are, but it's yeah. so you don't really see anyone Indian now the you do hear one other character that we saw very briefly in book one while, medita while meditating and being repeatedly annoyed by Aang, and that was a monkey, um, like some spiritual monk, right. monkey, monkey. <laughs> um, and eventually, like, Haibai came over and, like, yelled at him because he kept telling Aang to go away. I think that's maybe when he was looking for Ko the Face Dealer. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm now wondering if maybe that spirit is Guru Pati. Ooh, interesting. Pretty no nonsense. Okay. Well, if Gu Guru Pati is in fact a spirit, um, but the one like question that, you know, the, the attaching of the note to Appa's horn, uh, the spirits mm -hmm. can bring that into the fairy. Okay. You can, I mean, theoretically, I don't know that he wrote it in the spirit world. I think that mm -hmm. he was able to interact with things in the real world that are spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it also makes sense because this is somebody, and yes, there are monks who train for this and are able to, but we've now seen multiple times he's been able to like sit somewhere 
without eating or anything. Theoretically, he has this juice every once in a while, but doesn't really move or eat anything, and he's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of makes sense. I don't know. All right. Uh, Oof, I want to look into this. And, and then you may have. Uh, yeah, I mean, stumble onto something here. We. Uh, yeah, you got to ask these questions. That's what the show's all about. Yeah, that's the fun. Um, so all the right. guru, his origins, whatever they may be, has sound advice. Uh, you must find yourself before finding balance in the world. And uh, my God, is that not just a way to live? Uh, you, you must first uh, be, you know, take care of oneself. Uh, exactly. That's yeah. a very important message. Yeah, you can't help others and you can't really, you know, in, until you know yourself and you help yourself and you heal yourself, can you be of help to others? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I also love that the thing he has him drink, the onion and banana juice, it's like, it's so, uh, you know, we are all about healthy here and just to prove it, here's a vegetable and fruit. <laughs> Yeah, um, that, that, that vegetarian vegan lifestyle makes me feel like he's earthbendish. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe he appears as an airbender form on Earth. Maybe. Okay. Who knows? Well, yeah. and then we find uh, an ostrich horse carriage, which yes. I love. Um, we, you know, we find these two. I love that they're arguing directions. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys just came from there. Yeah. Um, the fact that she almost You've been tracking got him her throughout the whole earth kingdom yeah now you're lost all of a sudden like well i don't even know if it's lost or it's more just like trying to get back mm-hmm. you know i i can imagine shin fu just wants to get back even faster because he's at this point i get it they're making money but he wants his money and to just move on you know he's now yeah, been without you know away from the guy. wrestling stuff yeah. he's got a life master you has his master, you know, school, but he also works for the family. So it's not as big a deal if he takes a while. Um, and the fact that he almost falls for the old, like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, at least they're now a little bit more in character. You know, you mm-hmm. see Zen Fu much more aware than, than Master Yu here. Um, yeah. And of course, the, uh, well, you can't bend metal. Oh, I know, right? Foreshadow. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's be subtle. Yeah. But um, um, back, you know, someone who is never subtle is our girl uh, Zula over here, uh, who finally realizes, yo, we're, we're in the inside and we're going to need the Daily if we're going to plan an attack from the inside. I mean, I guess, I feel like this is another one of those scenes where it, because it's, it's primarily a children's show, Mm-hmm. And you need to establish in some sense that you can't just always rely on the audience figuring that these characters have had these obvious conversations already on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important to have these kind of things on screen. Obviously, you'd assume that they would have had this discussion when they first, like literally after they defeated the Kyoshi Warriors and decided to use their disguises to infiltrate the city. Like, what were they trying to do initially? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why would they, like, of course they would have already, like, yeah, we're in here, but it is important for them, just for the sake of the show and, and for those watching, to restate these points and how, and just kind of remind them, or the audience, how significant it is. Yeah, the Fire Nation has been trying to get into Bossing Say using brute force mm-hmm. for almost a century, and now they're in. They didn't have yeah. to, you know, they fought somebody a while ago, but now they just walked right in I and are welcomed the- as, like, heroes. 
the uh, uniform and makeup of a Kyoshi warrior were the Trojan horse of uh, oh, yeah. uh, May and Ty Lee. So uh, they're, they're, they're in the mix. We can't forget about them, even though there's so much going on. Uh, back at the Eastern Air Temple, Guru Patik teaches Aang about chakras. In order to master the avatar state, Aang must first open the seven chakras of the body. He provides a visual representation using a pond clogged with algae. By removing the clogs between pools, the water is allowed to flow, just as energy is allowed to flow through the body when the seven chakras are open. Each of the seven chakras has a purpose and a different blockage, and an intense sensation results from the opening of them all. Patik warns that the proceeds of opening the chakras cannot be halted, or the process of opening the chakras cannot be halted once it has begun in order to succeed. Aang attempts this warning, or he accepts the warning, stating that he'll do whatever it takes. Mm. Foreshadowing. <clears throat> yeah, we got that going on throughout this episode. Um, so, yeah, once you, split, just... once you pop, you can't stop. Uh, yeah, let's just, you know, get into this here. Like, this whole, first of all, I, I, I think this is something that everybody who's a fan of this show loves about this show, is, is, is this spiritual aspect of it. And this in particular, I remembered loving this, and we'll get to what happens later in the episode, and I honestly think that the single greatest, um, coolest looking, like, visual image in the entire series is him walking on that, like, cosmic pathway. Um, but, and I really want that poster, by the way, but, uh, um, I just, I, I love this and I love how, how easily they, they display, you know, they, the way that they use these pools as, as a metaphor and the way that he clears, you know, just a little bit of some leftover, like foliage or whatever's fallen in there. Some like leaves and clumps of stuff away from the opening. And not only does the water flow through, but they each like each pool kind of lights up a little bit, like it's getting reinvigorated with fresh water. And this, this kind of sense that, you know, there's a lot of blockage that can happen in your bodies. And when you kind of clear your head and you, you know, kind of really connect with yourself, it really does help to dissolve and dissipate all that, all those distractions and all those messes that can form. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm definitely one of those, uh, fans that was drawn into this uh, spirituality of the show, uh, which is uh, what makes it, so, I don't know, there are many things that make it so great, but this is the like defining kind of explanation of this uh, world and how to access it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love that you know, each one has its own individual purpose. Um, I love that it's, you know, number seven. There's all sorts of theories about lucky number seven relating to life and good luck, bad luck, what have you. Um, and then this warning, you know, yeah. once you start, it, this is this is a can of Pringles. Yeah, it, it, once you pop, the fun better not stop. That's right. You, or, you gotta, or, gotta get to seven. Yeah. yeah. Or else. Well, they else. travel around the various areas of the temple to unlock each chakra. First is the earth chakra, located at the base of the spine, which deals with survival and is blocked by fear. Aang meditates and sees his fears laid out before him. 
the blue spirit charging at him, Katara being dragged under the earth, him as Koizilla causing destruction, Sozin's comet arriving, and finally Fire Lord Ozai. With some effort, Aang gets the images to disappear and breathes a sigh of relief as Guru Patik congratulates him on opening the first chakra. They move to a waterfall to unlock the second chakra, water. The chakra deals with pleasure and is blocked by guilt. When asked what he blames himself for, Aang reminisces on running away a century earlier and the people he incidentally hurt while in the Avatar state. Patik tells Aang to accept that these things happen without letting them cloud his judgment and poison his energy. Aang must forgive himself to be a positive influence on the world. Aang does and successfully opens the second chakra. It's chakra time. I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I'm sure there is in the greater sense, because obviously this show is inspired by real life, you know, philosophies and, and these, these chakras weren't invented by Mike and Brian. No. They exist. <laughs> um, uh, but I almost wish that like there would be some sort of therapy that just uses the guidelines uh, and the and the logic presented literally in this episode to you know like oh thank God I, I have therapy this week and we're moving on to my third chakra you know what I mean like I yeah. would love that I'd love to be able to sit there and meditate I would love um, like a meditation retreat uh, yeah. uh, an Eastern air temple retreat where a guru guides me through a meditation and. It, it, it would be such a ritual. Um, Speaking of the retreat aspect, mm-hmm. I do want to harp, or not, not harp, I, I want to talk about this, you know, the Eastern Ter- Ter- Air Temple. It's a little bit in tatters and ruins, but it is really impressive. I don't know. I'm guessing this is supposed to be maybe the most spiritual place of, of the four. You know, you'd mm-hmm. think maybe the one he was from would be the more spiritual, but, you know, we see a lot of really cool areas here. You know, we, we have them in and out seemingly of like the mountain itself. And then in these giant rooms, very much untouched as unlike the ones in the north. Um, it's just really cool. And, and, you know, we've only seen two of them so far. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really just digging the way that they're exploring this temple and making the most out of it. Because it seems like we kind of got shortchanged in a few of the others. Definitely. Um, uh beyond the temple's landscape the yeah. uh the inner mind landscape mm. of ang when when he mm. lives you know for first fear after fear after fear and then uh of course guilt you know after guilt after guilt uh it's amazing dude i don't i mean like yeah it's 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 cosmic i mean, we'll get to the cosmic one last but it's insane uh one thing I want to point out when when he saw uh, in the first chakra Absolutely. of the Fire Lord Ozai, part of me wondered if that might not be uh, Zuko as a man because he couldn't really see behind the flames. Maybe I'm. I feel like it could have been interpreted as either one. It was clearly Ozai, the Fire Lord. Well, we've also, I mean, we've seen Aang have a lot of of uh, nightmares about Fire Lord Ozai, and almost each time. He'll, he's only seen as this kind of like horrifying outline with flames all around him because mm-hmm. he's never faced him. Mm-hmm. So he's heard about him and he kind of envisions this like mythic terror. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Ozai. Also, he's Metsuko. 
Um, and I think that he's seeing the good in him um, or hopes to. Uh, I do think that it's, you know, you'd, you'd think unlocking these chakras, you would get a little, you know, it would start easy and get harder as it goes. Starting with having to, you know, forego all of your fears or lay them out, it's a tough way to get into it right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but how, I, how, how appropriate that the first chakra is earth, which is Aang's opposite, mm. and it's his fear. Mm-hmm. So it does make some sense there. It is um, book two, after all. It is book two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see, you know, obviously you could, you, could, you could guess what he'd be afraid of and what he'd be um, feeling guilty about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love these explanations, you know. Yeah. Uh, For the guilt yeah. one. He, well, the, yeah, the for question. both. For the first one, just acknowledging that these happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then, no, I'm sorry, you're right. For the guilt one. Uh, what do you blame yourself for? Accept the reality, but forgive yourself. And then yeah. do not let it become a negative force. Uh, yeah, or else, you'll, or else it'll, you'll only, you can only go down a dark, I mean, he's literally trying to keep him from going down to the dark side. <laughs> indeed, uh, indeed. Uh, you know who's far away from the dark side is Sokka, who is uh, back at Chameleon Bay with his dad and the rest of the warriors preparing Hakoda's tangle mines. Comprised of buoyant cat casing around an explosive mine, they are filled with skunkfish and seaweed. Upon detonation, the seaweed entangles itself in the propellers of the Fire Nation ship, immobilizing them. Afterwards, the stench of the skunkfish forces the soldiers to abandon ship. Hakoda jokes that he has dubbed the plan the stinking sink, to which Sokka explodes with laughter. Bato remarks dryly on the similarities between father and son. A scouting party returns, informing the warriors they spotted four Fire Nation ships. Hakoda quickly tells Bato to finish preparing the mines and the rest of the warriors to prepare for battle. Sokka hesitates and asks Hakoda what he should do. In a slightly irritated yet joking tone, Hakoda repeats pointedly that he wants the rest of the men to get ready for battle. Sokka smiles at his father's comments and quickly prepares himself for the encounter ahead. Oh, you're <sighs> finally getting the bond. Uh, oh, Sokka. This is, I'm just so happy for him. I mean, you know, he, he's been away from him. He's had to kind of carry the mantle at home. And, uh, you know, you can just imagine the whole time all he's wanted was the assurance that he's doing right by his dad and that his dad's proud of him. Um, you know, I, I love this little bit about the stink and sink and just, again, how the show goes out of its oh. way to really, really carve out deep, fun, well-crafted characters. Yeah. Um, just this, a little thing like this. It's not just that they look alike or sound alike, but they literally think alike. Yeah. And... There are, you know, you can see where he gets his clever namings and his scheming and his strategy from, um, and, and and this great humor. I mean, the stinking sink is perfect. I know it, it reminded me of the whatever I believe it was Southern or no Northern Air Temple, the Machinist episode. Uh, mm-hmm. This is exactly the type of thing Sokka would create. Uh, and this moment, man, it's like, oh, what, well, Dad? What do I do? Like, you know, he still hasn't. He's, he is, in fact, a grown man and a warrior now, but, like, he's an outsider in this group, even if it is his uh, people. Yeah. He is not, you know, the last time he saw his dad, don't forget, he was a little kid. 
Right. Um, so even though he's done a lot of growing on his own these years, I'm sure there's a part of him that worries that his dad won't recognize that, or maybe that he will be upset if he just assumes that he does. And he almost needs to hear his dad's like confirmation, you know, Saka, you are, you know, you've done well. I respect the man that you've become. And of course I want you by my side. I'm your father, you know? Yeah. And like, it's this, it's this wonderful moment. It's this great validation for him. Amen. Speaking of validation, man, back in Bossing Say, the Jasmine Dragon finally opens with Iroh and Zuko standing proudly as customers arrive. Iroh says he's in disbelief at having accomplished his dream of running his own shop. He advises Zuko to follow his own dreams as well, and Zuko congratulates him. Iroh expresses pride in his nephew for having chosen to be with him in this happy time. Zuko enthusiastically hugs his uncle before running off to start preparing tea. Iroh soon joins him. They're living the dream. They were refugees not that long ago. Uh, absolutely. I mean, again, it's just like that. Just enjoy it while you can, everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh my God, we're having this wonderful, happy time with Zuko and Iroh. And for anybody who's been watching the series, it's almost like, okay, this has been going on so long without any conflict. What's the other shoe going to be and how hard is it going to fall? Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, just like, you're almost just like watching through like a closed hand. Like, this is so happy. I don't want it to end. Just let this continue. Don't oh, let it be bad. I know. Can <laughs> we just have an episode where like, it's the tea shop for a day and Zuko flirts with a girl, gets a number. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Another, uh, another Tales of Bossing Sing Save, but yeah. this time with like good Zuko or yes. happy Zuko. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I was living his, I mean, dude, he, he, they're, uh, it's like this rags to riches Dickensian immigrant fairy tale. And, uh, well, I, I also love, you know, he, he makes it a point to tell Zuko that as happy he, as he is about accomplishing this dream of having his own tea shop and doing so well, what he's most, what, what he's happiest about is that Zuko is there with him. I know. And, and this way. And, and it's just like, it's just a really great, it, it's just a long extended Kodak moment. Yes. <laughs> just this would be a great Hallmark right. movie. I know. But it would have to like end with this scene. <laughs> but we are not in Hallmark land. We are in Bossing Say. Uh, well, most of us, Aang is out with the guru and he's moved to a rock cliff as they work on the third chakra of fire located in the stomach, dealing with the willpower and blocked by shame. Guru Patik proceeds with the unlocking of Aang's third chakra by asking the avatar of what he's ashamed of and why. Aang envisions burning Katara with fire, telling Patik that he'll never fire Bend again. Patik responds that in order to obtain balance, he must accept all the aspects of his life. Aang is the avatar, and therefore he is a firebender. Aang accepted his duty and successfully opened the third chakra. Wow. Willpower blocked by shame. What, what, what? Yeah. Is, I mean, dude, it, each of these emotions have like, or I don't know if they're just emotions, but you know, chakras, emotions, energies uh, have some overlap, but there are also like distinct and unique examples from Aang's history for each one. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I really like that they brought the fire here. That, that's what he's ashamed of. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. These are, you know, I, I remember initially I was a little bothered or, or worried that this might be somewhat redundant and, you know, you could maybe kind of interchange certain aspects. You know, they were so close, like guilt and shame and things like that. You could maybe inter, interplay with, with each of the chakras. But the more I think about it, and you, were, you did a great job kind of telling me about this stuff before we started recording how, you know, they are different in their own way. And it's, it's each of these, each of these explanations and each of these feelings are very much unique in themselves and feeling shame and feeling guilt aren't necessarily the same thing at all. And there's very different reasons for feeling these different feelings. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think what's so important about this is that we're specifically dealing with this aspect of your nature and this is what you need to overcome and this is what you need to deal with. Yeah. And just because it might be similar to another thing doesn't mean it's the same. And let's just separate them all and do this as one. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, you know, it, it's probably for the best they didn't do this. They could have spent an episode per chakra. Uh, like, like having the real, if this were to be like a, uh, an emotional therapy, spiritual retreat, you know, each one could have been a day. It, what I was going to say, this would make it a much more like acceptable. Okay. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to need a day, but we also, he didn't even know what he was doing or what he would be up to. He knew mm -hmm. that he was going to see him for this reason, but he didn't know what that entailed. It's not like the note had an itinerary on it. That we so, true. Um, so true. Yeah. Um, so what is he's ashamed of the fact that he burned Katara. Oh my Absolutely. God. I'll never firebend again. Well, you might yeah. have to. Because, meanwhile, uh, Meitai Lee in the Kiyoshi War... Well, they're in the Kiyoshi Warrior garb. They're lounging on the front steps of the Earth King's palace. May complains about her outfit and the task involved in being the Earth King's audience, primarily cleaning up after the King's pet bear. Tai Lee advises May to be patient and repeats aloud the plan Azula has formed. May quickly snaps at her to be quiet, as she will reveal they are from the Fire Nation to anyone with an earshot. A small group of Dai Li agents, who have been spying, quickly and stealthily crawl off. Once again, Azula emerges and compliments her friend on their acting job, as Long Fang will surely get the message. Uh, a master manipulator, not just of people, but of governments, nations. Uh, <laughs> Just phenomenal work by Azula. Horrible, but phenomenal. Yeah. I've often wondered if we're supposed to think that they knew, they knew what was, you know what I mean? Like if, if each party kind of knew what the other one was doing and uh, was just kind of going along with it. Like if the Daily realized, yeah, okay, yeah. obviously they know we're here and that we're going to deliver this message. Mm. Or if they were just like, oh my God, we're so lucky to be hearing us. Let's go tell them. I'm starting to think that, you know, everybody knew. Mm, interesting. I, I like the opinion that they were doing their routine spying because right. the, the infrastructure of the Dai Li is still intact and uh, and Azula was playing the Dai Li. A little. I, I, I'd like, just because of the way that, like, things that May says, like, what are you, want anybody around here to hear you? You know, everyone's going to know we're Fire Nation. Like, this is very obvious. And they are pretty smart and manipulative. Yeah. Um, and it was all kind of done with like a wink and a nod, but that way it would still kind of uh, give a plausible deniability, so to speak. 
um, instead of just them straight up going to the Dai Li and being like, look, here's who we are, here's what we want to do. Um, but again, it's just Azula is this chess master and her pieces are extremely powerful, Mei and Tai Li. Um, by the way, I do want to jump back because yeah. I, I, do you remember when we were talking about the date that Zuko went on and how the girl, you know, when, when he says, oh, we were in the circus, the girl that he was on the date with looked a lot like Ty Lee without any makeup on. Yeah. Well, now we get to see Ty Lee without any makeup on, <laughs> um, without her regular like rose lipstick yeah. makeup or the, the um, Kiyoshi. Yoshi makeup. And yeah, dude, they are, they look, ex- they look very similar. Kind of makes you wonder, yeah. Oof, and uh, wonder we shall, because uh, it's it's a time to wonder. Uh, <laughs> sitting in front of a statue, wondering what to do next, uh, is Aang. He's in front of a female Air Nation avatar from a past life, and they work on the next chakra, air, located in the heart, dealing with love and blocked by grief. Laying his grief before him, Aang sees all of the air nomads who were eliminated by the Fire Nation in the early stages of the Hundred Year War, Gyatso I among them. They fade away into smoke. Love, according to Patik, is a form of energy that swirls all around people. He states the air nomads' love for Aang still exists in Aang's heart and can be reborn anew in the form of new love, Katara. With tears, Aang lets his pain flow away. He asks for more banana onion juice. They move inside a broken down room in front of a different, much larger statue of the sound chakra, located in the throat, dealing with truth and blocked by lies. Aang remembers concealing his true identity, stating that he never wanted to be the avatar. Patek says Aang can't lie about his own nature and that he needs to accept his destiny as the Avatar. With a sigh and a vision, Aang accepts this idea and successfully opens the sound chakra. Oof. Let's, let's take it back to the love chakra. Yeah, so this is wonderful. And again, it's just, yeah. seeing, this, seeing this temple is, is so cool, you know, and all these just different settings for everything. Obviously, they're in front of a air nomad and an air nomad Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, seeing all these, his entire people yep. dying um, is tragic. But then you get that sense of, you know, that, that, that circle of life. It's, it's grief is replaced by love and there's new, new love comes into the play. And, and not that their love ever left, but it, beca- you know, it gets reborn. And we see as Katara, because that's, that's literally what happened to Aang. He went from... He didn't see them all go away, but he went from abandoning them to that fate to waking up to Katara. And it's just this wonderful, you know, things have been bad, but now they're, now they're still, there's very much love. It's beautiful that you can uh, come to realize that's how you feel. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, amazing. And uh, what better contrast to the genocide of your people than the love of Katara? I mean, it's, 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 it's really an extreme. Extreme mm-hmm. grief and extreme love that Aang has. Uh, next, the sound chakra in the throat deals with truth blocked by lies. And the biggest lie of all is the one Aang's told himself that he's not the avatar. 
He doesn't, this isn't my destiny. I don't have to go on this journey. Uh, right. He's resisted it really uh, the entire time. Uh, a little, I, I guess, you know, this is another one of those where it is a little bit redundant. It seems like, you know, we've heard a lot. You must accept that these things happened. You must accept that you are the avatar and therefore a firebender. You must, you know, um, and if he's done all that, I guess this is more the destiny. I don't think that it's that, that he, that he's refused this destiny. It's just that he's still a little scared of embracing it. You know, he has been going along and um, learning the, you know, mastering the elements in order and going, you know, and, and doing everything he has to do, eventually hoping to face Fire Lord Ozai before the comic gets there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's more to this destiny that we do explore now in book three. It's not just that you are the avatar, but that you're the avatar who will have to do something that you may not want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's dealing with the Fire Lord. You know, you're not wow. just going to beat him in a fight. You might have to do more than that. Oh. Um, and just really trying to accept that. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah. Outside the concrete steps wrapping around the mountain, Guru Patik discusses the sixth chakra, light, located in the forehead, dealing with insight, and blocked by illusion. He begins explaining that the greatest illusion of the world is the one of separation. Things thought to be separate and different are in fact one and the same. Aang instantly connects the concept with the four nations, and Pothic tells him that every individual is part of one collective people, yet live as if divided. Aang realizes Pathak is saying that everyone is connected, thus making divisions meaningless. Pathak continued to explain that even the separation of the four elements was an illusion, as they are four parts of the same whole. We cut to Toph being transported by... Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. By... I'm sorry. Blah. I'm going to take it back for a sec. Right, uh, okay, so. I misread that. So we cut to Toph being transported, but we hear Pathak in the background state that even metal is simply refined and purified earth. Almost on cue, Toph uses her ability to sense tiny fragments of earth left within the metal cage and invents metal bending. Epic. After reminding herself that she rules, she punches her way out of the metal cage. Um, well, let's go back first. I light. mean, yes, that's yeah, the light insane. chakra. Yeah, but the sixth chakra, the light chakra. Um, this actually does make you know because I, I was thinking like, what do the actual names of these chakras mean with what they? Mm -hmm. But you know, like sound being sound, mind and body. Here, the light, insight. You know, actually seeing. You know, having sight. Um, blocked by illusion. I love it. This is very much what um, Uncle Iroh was talking about with um, Zuko. This is what a lot of, this is what Pathik already had said to Appa before Aang showed up. I mean, we've heard this before, this, this idea that division is an illusion and we're all kind of one of the same. We heard of the swamp, to get, you know, swamp again and everything yeah. is connected. Um, this time it wasn't so much to find someone, but it was more to find 
ability, you know, find find ways out. And for Toph, you know, the, the, her her ability to really find, you know, figure out that not everything is as is as limited as you as it seems on the outside, but really think about what's within and what you can do. And she literally does that, and she creates metal bending, and it's just so impressive. And I wonder if she was if she wasn't blind and she used her, you know, and her, so her sense of earth bending was a different, you know, way of envisioning things. If she still would have been able to use that sort of insight, then yeah. maybe it's, it's a good thing. Um, and it's incredible to see her go through it. Off is blind and <laughs> presumably in darkness in this uh, metal cage. But then to see these little, you know, uh, she's able to see with the, you know, the, the through rock and, uh, to see these little specks of her light appear. It's like you as the audience sense her bending getting stronger visually. Uh, just spectacular, spectacular stuff. And we've seen this before from Toph too. You know, there have been moments where our characters didn't know, you know, they, they just assumed something wasn't there because of what they saw. And Toph was able to let them know, actually what you're seeing isn't, what you think it is, and there's more to it. It happened with the library under the desert, and it happened with um, it happened with the sand uh, um, the sand sailor. It happened a few times where, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it happened with Lake Laogai, um, and and this idea that because she's blind, you know, she doesn't just see what whoever created something wants her to see or what, you know, the, the, the public is meant to see, but she can see beyond that. And she can see not how things want to present themselves, but how they truly are. It's that idea of just because something looks good in a picture doesn't mean it hasn't been messed with or that's what it really is. Yeah. Um, and it's great. With and she's fact, so badass. <laughs> I uh, left off a quick sentence or two from the last paragraph. I'll read it right now. Oh. Tara and Momo decide to stop at the new tea house just before going to see the Earth King. As she enters, Katara spots Zuko and Iroh and gasps in surprise before running off to warn the Earth King. So, uh, this whole, I don't know, Katara is just kind of a coincidental character. It's like, oh my God, let's get some tea. Like, like I mean, you're, you're on your way to the Earth King. Like, aren't you on a mission? It's not fun and games with Momo. Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested to know kind of like the layout of Ba Sing Se, because I guess I'd always assumed that her meeting with these generals, like there was some sort of military planning room or whatever in and around the palace. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that she's having this meeting, then she has to go outside of it, be, be able to like go to this tea shop, it, it not being out of the way, and then on her way to the palace, yeah, just seems a little... Again, convenient. Like, yeah. how have they not, you know, if they've been running the successful tea shop for however long it's been, how long has it been? Yeah. Um, for them to have been A able day? to get this tea shop oh, up and running. Yeah. Uh, Katara hasn't heard about it. it. Doesn't, you know, it seems like it's pretty famous already. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's all very weird. And then again, it's like, oh, now she's going to see the Earth King and potentially talk to the Kyoshi Warriors. Not right away when they first found out. It's just the whole thing's kind of, yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, Fishy. yeah, I don't like the, uh, it just feels like she's a schoolgirl running around the town and not this bending master here to uh, help 
the be a military advisor. Uh, yeah, so, uh, they. It, it seems like they had to sacrifice some aspect of one or of a couple of the characters in order to make all these paths I mean, kind of collide the way they needed them to. Yeah. And unfortunately, it looks like Kataris has suffered. Yep. But she she bit the brunt. Uh, oh well, the show moves on. Pothic congratulates Aang and states that with the final chakras opening, he will be able to willfully enter and exit the Avatar state, as well as control his actions within it. The Thought Chakra, located at the crown of the head, deals with cosmic energy and is blocked by earthly attachment. Aang is asked to meditate on what he is attached to, and images of Katara flood his mind. Pothic then instructs him to let the attachments go. Aang becomes angry, finding the idea of letting go of Katara ludicrous as he loves her. He questions why he should not allow himself to feel this love when Pothic stated previously that it was a good thing. Pothic narrows his eyes but remains calm and states that if Aang ever wants the pure cosmic energy to enter him, he must let go of all earthly attachments including Katara. Uh, that's a tough chakra, number seven. Yeah, so this is why I think that this is not for everyone, and this mm-hmm. is only for those who are truly committed to it. You know, there's something kind of otherworldly. You are beyond just this normal human form. You're, you're more than that. It's almost godlike, yeah. you know? And in order to achieve this level of zen or, or whatever you want to call it, you have to ascend. Um, I think that... We're talking about entering and exiting the Avatar state at will. I I know, but here's the thing that's always bugged me about this a little bit. I don't know if it's just the wording or if it's a little different or, you know, we know that Avatars in the past have been together. You know, have had significant others, have been in love, things like that. And they haven't had to just say bye to it ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if all those marriages were just like one-sided and really not that affectionate or what, but I think it's less about forgetting Katara and more about forgetting the human element of himself and being in order to ascend to this other plane, so to speak. Because I don't know, he does make a point that that to just forget is a little... I don't know. I don't know. Um, or, or to be able to remove yourself because I guess there is a sense, almost like a doctor, um, Dr. Manhattan sort of thing from Watchmen where, or Watchmen, where if you want to be able to protect and look out for the benefit of all life, you can't have really any personal attachments that might get in the way and make you misjudge things and favor some or of, of, of the, you know, over others. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's complicated. Uh, it's complicated indeed. <laughs> I think, uh, I know what you mean, dude. I, maybe I had, a, I, don't, I don't know if I'm interpreting it correctly, but I think it deals with cosmic energy and it's blocked by earthly attachments. So it doesn't mean he can't have Katara in his life, but he has to let, learn to let go of the attachment. You know what I mean? Like, like accept yeah. that at any moment she could be taken or, uh, Certainly, you know, lose the attachment to material possessions. 
uh, Katara's body is just the vessel for the spirit. I don't know. It's, uh, it, it kind yeah. of made sense. We're talking about the cosmic energy, the forces of nature and this space and you know the whole universe. Uh, Can't be tied down by simple things like relationships and like, human I, bonds. Man, let, let me, I don't know. Oh, man, I don't have all the shockers in front of me. But like, is his love for Katara not in some way blocking every chakra? Uh, fear he'll hurt chakra guilty by the one time he hurt her ashamed from the time I mean you know we can go yeah, through them. that's true she's a big part of a lot of it yeah um, again I think it's also the wording and, and not focusing on the attachment part and more of the love and forgetting her and right. being you know and, and the fact that again for, for purposes of, of running time and yeah. just moving the story forward. He couldn't really get into that much detail, but he doesn't really give much of an explanation except, look, man, you got to do this or you, or you can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, you just do it. <laughs> just get over it and do it. Um, and for someone like Aang, that's not really always the best way. To yeah. Teach. Additionally, man, um, let's just remind everyone, to master the Avatar state, you must open all chakras. Uh, you've mm-hmm. come this far. It's... Uh, I don't think it was in the description, but the vision Aang has, you know, when, when it's the, he asks him to let go of Earth, the attachment, is a real-time image of Katara in trouble. Is no, it? we're not there yet. Hmm. Okay, so we're, there's more, more coming on this chakra. Yes. Uh, but first, <laughs> let's get to it. Uh, Katara rushes... Into the palace and tells Azula, <laughs> whom she believes is Suki, that Zuko and Iroh have infiltrated the city. She tells them urgently to inform the Earth King. As Azula calmly replies, that will not be necessary. Katara realizes her mistake. She recognizes the distinct golden hue of Azula's eyes. However, Katara's realization is too late. Tylee hurdles into the air and disables her. Azula and her friends stand over Katara's prone form, where she remarks, that it is time she and Zuko encounter each other. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so. Oh, Katara's in trouble, as I may have jumped the gun on earlier. This is another one with Katara, like, I get it, but. Oh, she hey, knows, Suki. She knows Suki's. Time. Let me just she say knows Suki's hair color and hairstyle, and unless, again, it's been a few days, she's gone through a lot. You know, Azula has dark black hair that's kind of long, mm-hmm. that's tied up. Suki has like a short bob of light brown hair. That's a little reddish. All they did was put on the makeup. I mean, I guess, you know, Katara's in a rush and she's flustered and she's not really thinking about it. And maybe she would have recognized both, but she happened to see the eyes first. I don't know. But it just, again, it's like, stop uh, dumbing down Katara here. Yeah, I didn't think it was the eyes. I thought it was the voice that she recognized. Yeah, that's it. So so I don't know if that's just, I think it's just a miss by the whoever wrote the description at first. I don't know, but I also love that they do focus on the golden because they do see that. Sure. And that was one thing about Zuko that also stood out was that his eyes were like this weird golden color. Yep. Um, which I do like that similarity, but you're right. It's also the voice. Yes. Um, and, uh, poor is, and poor her. I know. Ty Lee immediately knows to block her chi. Uh, she, she didn't stand a chance. She, she was like in the air as yeah. Katara was making the realization. Like, they didn't, oh, Zula. She didn't give Katara time to, to get yeah. ready. Uh, lightning attack from the yeah. acrobatic master. Uh, 
Elsewhere, the argument continues back at the Eastern Air Temple, with Pathik telling Aang he must open all the chakras to master the Avatar state. Aang decides to try and do so, and he begins to visualize an image of Katara disappearing into space and himself being taken high above the planet to walk along a purple stream of cosmic energy. The stream is radiating from a gigantic image of himself in the Avatar state, which surrounds him in a sphere of energy radiating from its palms. Aang is suddenly surprised, however, when an image of Katara, captured underground, appears before him. He abandons the Avatar state, including an induced figure, and begins running toward the image, causing the stream of cosmic energy to dissipate, and Aang to plummet to the earth. Jolting awake from his meditation, Aang desperately says that Katara is in trouble, and he must go back to Ba Sing Se to help her. Patek tries to stop him, telling him that by choosing attachment, the last chakra has become blocked, and if he leaves now, he will not be able to trigger the Avatar state at all. Aang hesitates, but continues on without looking back or responding to Pothic's dismay. So yes, this, uh, <sighs> this Katara yeah. in trouble. I mean, dude, it's really an Achilles heel. I, I feel like uh, the, the guy who's trying to trigger, let's bring this book, this season full circle, it starts with forcibly trying to trigger the Avatar state with violence. And what, lo and behold, it's the Katara... Uh, that gets him there. And here we're start starting to trigger it the correct way, the proper way, with wise supervision. And, uh, oh my God, Katara's in trouble? You know, she's in trouble if you don't stop the Fire Lord, Aang. Uh, okay. That's, this is the thing that's always bugged me. And I get it, he's irrational because he's in love and whatever. But he's telling you, not only will you not be, like, not be able to control the Avatar state, screw that, you won't be able to enter it. Lock. So at this point... Aang, let's not kid ourselves, he's, a, he's an extremely talented bender, and he's really good at bending three out of the four elements, mm -hmm. but dude, I, I, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. You know, he can't, if he can't enter the Avatar state, I don't know, it's also giving no credit to any of the others, although I guess they're not, like, seeing her. Um, not seeing her in just, trouble. Yeah. You know, not seeing her trouble, but then just not, I don't know. It's just very, like, again, it's its kind of, I get it, but at the same time, you're just like, I mean, you just know some shit, you know, like, this obviously isn't going to go well for him. He's choosing um, attachment. Uh, I it's mean, kind of putting her ahead of the entire world. Yeah. I know. Uh, she hasn't even, like, she's given him a kiss on the cheek before he left. <laughs> And in this episode of all episodes where Katara is uh, yeah. having a ditzy throwaway, for lack of a more nicer way to put it, uh, yeah. she's just there to move the storyline. I mean, really. Uh, oh, Aang. Well, uh, <sighs> luckily, there are some happier moments going on as uh, Sokka and the rest of Hakoda's warriors finish preparation of their ships for attack. Sokka assures his father that he will make him proud. I think you, wait, I think you jumped ahead of the paragraph, sorry. My apologies, you are correct. <laughs> so meanwhile, while all this is going on with Aang, Master Yu and Shin Fu are startled to discover a massive hole in the back of Toph's now empty prison. Toph emerges from several feet away and uses earthbending to thrust Shin Fu and Yu into the chamber. 
After closing the metal doors behind them and taking a few moments to bask in her triumph, she starts back for Ba Sing Se, using the earth to propel her along. This leaves Shin Fu and Yu looking very uncomfortable within the coffin, with Shin Fu frustrated as ever with his companion, who now has to go to the bathroom. Sokka, who I spoke about earlier, is now with the rest of Hakoda's warriors as they finish preparation of the ships for attack. Sokka assures his father that he will make him proud and prove his skill as a warrior. Hakoda smiles and replies that he has always known his son to be a great warrior. This heartfelt moment is cut short, however, by the sudden appearance of Aang and Appa. Witnessing the worried expression on the Avatar's face, he realizes the urgency of the situation and bids farewell to his father. Whoa, boy. Ah, oh, Sokka. All right, so... You and Fu. I mean, I, I just love that Toph kind of makes it a point to, like, trick them <laughs> and by, by going back there and then throwing them in there and, like... Taps into just, her inner Bugs Bunny. Yeah, she's gotten so good at the... You know, initially she was just able to burst it out by punching it. Mm-hmm. And then after she gets them into the... Into this, like, cage or whatever, yeah. she then takes her hands and, like... Yeah. Almost like this stuff is metal, or I mean paper, like closes the doors with her hands. I mean, she's so quick at figuring out how to do this, and it's so cool. Yeah. And of course, he has to pee. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I wonder. Noted Katara after, I mean, uh, Toph after all. Yeah. And and then the way that she runs away, literally, like, it's hard for people to, you know, just, just, just to describe this on a podcast, but. It's like the earth under each foot. Like she'd pick her feet up to run, but they wouldn't actually get airborne. It would just be that the earth under it would like form a mound and, and rise with her feet. And she ran, like she literally turned the entire road into her like treadmill type thing. And she yeah. ran along it. Uh, um, it's awesome. like, imagine a shark with a propeller and motor on its back and it's not water, it's earth, and it's not a shark with a motor, it's tough. I mean, this is some uh, superhuman lightning speed, Shazam, The Flash, pick your favorite. Uh, Uh, My favorite moment for Sokka, I don't know, that was a weird transition, (laughs) but this heartfelt moment is awesome. I mean, listen, Sokka is proper bonding with his dad here. Living his warrior dream, he's earned it. He's really been a long time coming. And uh, that's great. Yeah, you know, his dad, this moment. Yeah, yeah. No, his dad makes it a point to be like, "Dude, I don't forget. I did leave you. It wasn't just symbolic. I left you in charge of yeah. our tribe, and I'm assuming everyone's fine because you guys are out here. And and of course they are. And and yeah, I have faith in you. I trust you. You don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But someone like Sokka, you know, it's important to hear that. Oh yeah. Um, and to get that acknowledgement because it's been so long, and just you could you could only imagine what sort of a boost that must have been to Sokka's confidence, belief in himself, just everything um, to hear that from Hakoda. And then of course it's cut short. And I love that you don't even, Aang doesn't say a thing. He just looks at Sokka and Sokka can see like, oh man, this is serious. Um, Yeah. Indeed it is. Uh, In the prisons of Ba Sing Se, a group of Dai Li agents escort Azula to Long Feng's cell. She demands to know why she has been brought to the prison in the middle of the night. Long Feng smiles craftily and reveals his knowledge of her true identity. 
He states that he wants to make a deal with her in an attempt to regain control of the city. He explains the Earth King's trust in Azula is key. And in return for her help, Long Feng promises the Avatar. He promises the Avatar. At the Jasmine Dragon, Iroh and Zuko are surprised when a messenger delivers wonderful news. They've been invited to serve tea to the Earth King. Zuko, looking extremely content and happy for his uncle and his good fortune, he continues working in the shop. Meanwhile, Azula is escorted back to her apartment by the Dai Li, smirking. So, we got our cliffhangers set up yeah. uh, for the next step. But yeah, so look, all roads from book two, while it may not have been a big battle like books one or three, have been leading to Bossing Say, and finally now every one of our characters are headed to the same location yeah. intentionally. It's um, almost, uh, I think the big battle was the entrance to Bossing Say, like, like getting in front of the king was the battle of the of the. It kind of was. Yeah. And now it's about, I mean, it's, it's constantly just been about getting, like saving the soul of the city. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, they've yeah. got... Azula in cahoots with Long Feng here. I mean, uh, Jesus. The who's only playing thing, who is the question. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's great. But the other thing for our characters is like the only thing that you can imagine being a tougher battle than the Dai Li is like the Dai Li and Azula. Yeah. <laughs> and Mei and Dai Li. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's it's great because you think, you know, you're not sure who's got the upper hand. Is Azula playing? You know, obviously Azula thinks she's playing Long Feng, and then Long Feng thinks he's got. Um, something on Azula and you wonder do they both kind of know the other things they have the upper hand and they're just gonna see who can come out on top and I'm also like man they did save an while these are all cliffhangers they're saving a lot like of stuff for this next episode because not only do you have to have all our characters kind of finding each other and dealing with whatever these circumstances are but I forgot we have this whole thing with like Azula and the Dai Li to happen so it's crazy. I don't know. Great stuff. Uh, last but not least, Iroh, who's having just the time of his life, finally everything's lining up, gets this golden ticket letter. I mean, just a joyous moment. He's being invited. It's like such an honor to serve king for the tea. A tea for the king. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, tough of the... Okay, I don't know. How uh, does he know? Yeah, well, what's really in store? Uh, <sighs> it just reminds me... How convenient. Like, Azula has two scenes. One, uh, oh, cool, King. You, 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 you secretly told me this thing of the dark side? And he's like, oh, oh, cool, Katari. You came to tell me that uh, Zuko and I are here? Uh, oh, cool. I was just hanging out. Yeah, I, I was just seeing what's up here. Uh, I didn't have my plan yet, but you guys have really served it to me on my silver platter. Yeah. That, again, as much as everyone, and I love this, this season, there are definitely... For the first time here, some very convenient um, stuff that happens to make things move along. Um, but it works. I mean, all in all, like that's such a nitpick, and yeah, given everything else that's going on, it's it's fine. I mean, it doesn't bump you or bother you in any way. It's just like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and with that, we wrap up this episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender. What an amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, dude, on, on one hand, 
everything about this episode was amazing. The, the, the learning of the chakras, every act, you know, characters, uh, almost an actor's uh, storyline, except for Katara, who had to kind of play the uh, moving along of the greater story in this one. Uh, and yet, like, I, I just looked up and saw that next one's the finale. Like, it doesn't feel like a finale. It's, 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 uh, it's an interesting mix. There's a lot that happens in the next episode, too. Um, and it's funny that it's just a regular, I think it's a regular-sized episode. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and they do a really good job. It's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, It's really good. I mean, are we doing, uh, I guess, final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. Uh, anything we missed? What uh, reflections? What does, uh, how, how are we feeling? I, Jeff, yeah. Um, I think this episode was really the the two major aspects of this that stood out to me were the chakras with with Aang and then Toph inventing metal bending. I don't think that can be yeah. stated enough the significance and awesomeness of that moment. And it is a little unfortunate that it just kind of gets like that. It just happens with I all know. this other stuff happening, but. It's, it's an big. aside during one of the seven chakras. Right. Yeah. It's a big moment. Um, and then just the fact that, you know, not that we left anything out, but the show kind of did. I mean, it's, 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 it's ending on all these cliffhangers. So I'm just excited to see, you know, how these things wrap up, if they wrap up, and what ends up happening in the next episode of television before we close off book two. Definitely. Um, I mean, dude. I know so much happened in the story here, but for me, it was all about the chakra journey. Uh, Aang is openly admitting his love for Katara. I, I don't, I, he really like had some kind of therapy, cosmic breakthrough. And uh, it, I, I kind of went on that journey with him. Like, like I remember going through each chakra and listening, like what causes it, yeah. what blocks it, how to unblock it. And it's just uh, for, for those down with the spiritual world here it's it's the the meditation primer i mean it's the Amen. the journey to take into avatar spirituality uh yeah and this journey it's it's been a physical it's been a spiritual it's been a tough one we've been pushing rocks since day one but we've made it to the finale jeff exciting stuff it's been bitter work <laughs> bitter work uh will we have a sweet ending time will tell uh, and it also makes, uh, I got to make the point. I mean, I think we may have said it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's the finale. It's, it's the first of a two part finale, pretty much. And they kind of makes me wonder if we should have done it together, but no, more, more reps for you. Yeah. No, it's, it's, let's do this, man. I'm, I'm psyched. I can't wait to it, with this. If we did this all in one, this would be a five hour podcast. So it's so true. Yeah. We, you we know. know. I mean, episode. It's it's already going to be a long one. Um, I I could spend an hour. I'm excited. Of yeah. course. Oh. Um, but I'm more excited to see what happens in this next episode. As am I. And that wraps up another episode of The Boys in the Iceberg. Woo! Be sure to follow The Boys in the Iceberg on Instagram and Twitter, and you could find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you for listening. Good night. Flamio, Hotman.